1: Uh, There's been some penalties handed down today. Uh, Jason McCartney found out exactly how much his altercation or interaction with the umpires is costing him. And Steve Hocking has given new indication about what will be required for concussion at a regional level. Uh, yes, indeed. Welcome to Time On. Of course, Time On, your say on the news of the day. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. Give us a call at any time. If you've been itching just to pick up the phone and just launch into, whether it be a tirade or just a tribute, whatever it could be, uh, happy to hear from you and would love to do so. one 736 736 or off the temper text 433 98 1116 Temper, a mattress like no other. Uh, and you can tweet us at time on SEN as well. We'd love to hear from you if you've just been sitting at work all day at the office and listening to SEN all throughout the afternoon going, I'll tell you what, when 6 o'clock hits, I'm going to ring up. And you just look out. So love to hear from you. Uh, AFL confirmed today that the Giants general manager of footy, Jason McCartney, has breached AFL rule 15.2 in brackets, approaches to umpires. And the club has been fined $20,000. Interesting that the club has been fined $20,000. I'm wondering what portion of that Jason will pay. Following the incident which occurred at halftime of the Round 6 GWS Giants v Western Bulldogs match at Marnica, Uh, Last week in round six, the AFL said that Mr. McCartney has accepted responsibility and has apologised for his actions and any impact that they could have on any other level of the game. So uh, General Manager of Footy Operations at the AFL, Steve Hocking, has said that all AFL officials, coaches and players have an obligation to supporters and participants of all ages to maintain the standards of the code and to take a leadership role in setting the right example in demonstrating respect for umpires. He said, we can never underestimate the impact of the actions of those at AFL level on all levels of the game, whether you are involved in Australian footy at the elite level or the community level, everyone has a responsibility to demonstrate respect towards umpires at all times. The rules are clear. He says, disrespect towards umpires has no place in our game. Uh, The AFL has also released an updated guidelines for the management of concussion at community footy level. Speaking of community footy. Uh, The guidelines have been developed by leading medical professionals uh, putting the health and safety of the State League and community footy players first. So a clear process is to be followed for players who have suffered a concussion to return to play, which includes a period of rest, symptom-limited activity, gradual increase in physical activity and a medical clearance prior to full contact training. The minimum time frame in which a player can return to play in community footy is on the 12th day after the day in which the concussion was suffered based on successful completion of the phases to return to play following a concussion and receiving a medical clearance. So that is a, a big change uh, to country footy that you will have to wait the same time frame. You'll have to wait the same amount of time as AFL players have to wait in order to be able to play again. Uh, the AFL also announcing today that fans can now purchase up to 10 tickets per transaction for matches in Victoria That's going to encourage larger families and friendship groups to attend and hopefully sit together at the venue. So just another little step back towards what would hopefully be some kind of normality. We know it's been a source of frustration all year, not being able to sit with your family members, not being able to sit in your seats that you feel like you've paid your good, hard earned for. So Getting to take, uh, getting to purchase up to 10 tickets now um, might just help people re-engage again. For some, it's just been just too hard. They've put it in the too hard basket and said, I've just got to jump through too many hoops. And when I get there, uh, I'm not sitting where I want to sit and with who I want to sit with. So um, hopefully this is uh, just another way of getting more people back. After we got some decent crowds over the weekend, I thought we'd get more on Saturday night. Um, but... I can understand that the weather might have been a deterrent there. Uh, we're going to hear from Seb Ross. A Really honest and open account from Seb Ross today and his presser uh, in just a moment. Uh, been interested in a couple of things that he's had to say. Jared uh, Waitley, his editorial about Collingwood was interesting, if you missed that, uh, as well this afternoon. Stuart Dew with Dwayne had some interesting things to say as well. But time on is your say on the news of the day. And Chris is in Carlton. Uh, Chris is in Brunswick wanting to talk about Carlton. Hello, Chris day, Sammy, how are you? Uh, really well, thanks mate. How's your day been? Good?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Um, yeah, I'm a 28-year-old male and I've been playing card my whole life and I was three years old when we won our last premiership. I've seen about eight rebuilds and I'm not angry, I'm not frustrated. It's just sad watching Brisbane from a few years ago, Melbourne and the Doggies issue get it right and we just look broken. Do we have to start again is the main question. Are we broken as a club in every department or is there something there?
1: Yeah, it's. Um, it, I think everyone just got a flashback to their childhood then, Chris. When you, you're not angry, <laughs> you're just disappointed. Jeez, that was scathing, wasn't it, when your parents would say that to you? Yeah. And you knew that it just got to a point now where they were just fed up. They were just fed up with what they were seeing from you. Uh, and now they couldn't even bring themselves to be angry because they were just exhausted. And then that's why there was the disappointment because the exhaustion was there from you just continually P1 double fiving them off. Uh right, so that's where you're at. So you're just at a state now, Chris, where you just shake your head and throw your arms up and go, I don't know anymore. And I certainly understand that that frustration. Yeah. Um that yeah, the, the, second, they're trying.
2: That's yeah, the thing.
1: yeah, three out they're of the three hard. out of the four quarters were three out of the four quarters I think you could walk away from that game as a Carlton fan from and say, Yeah, I, I was proud of us in those three quarters. But that second quarter, as Bob Murphy said, soulless and selfish. How did you see it?
2: Yeah, the exact same way. Um, it's kind of like each player is kind of playing for his own job rather than playing as a team. Um, like the amount of times where one person will just protect the ball just for themselves and not try and worry about another teammate. And it happens so often. And it's like David Teague's kind of told all the players, "Oh, look, we're going we're to look at each player individually and see if you're going to make the cut. Where well, that shouldn't be it. It should be as a team collective. Look at Melbourne, and not one player cares about himself or the ball. If he's got to do something that doesn't get you a start, they just do it. But it's every single player. Like Picheski, Seaton, um, there's so many of them that just look like they're playing for their careers and it shows out on the field. And, yeah, I don't know anymore. Um, yeah, and I'm not angry at the coach or anything. It's just they just... And they, they look like they're trying to hurt players and try and be tough to show the supporters they care rather than genuinely going in for the ball and trying to win it to try and move it forward. Um, yeah, it's just a hard one, um, Sammy. Um, yeah, I'll still go this week to the Bombers, and hopefully they can show us something, I guess.
1: Yeah, and I can hear how despondent you are, Chris. And you, you've, as you say, you've lived through, you're thinking, eight rebuilds, or at least the promise, or... Uh, the 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 message that that it is a rebuild that you're seeing now. There are some confusing things about Carlton, uh, and and I mean I, I don't I, I've always the jury's always been out for me on substitute the substitute teacher being appointed to the full time role. I think it's only really been successful maybe once, and that was Ross Lyon, um, the interim coach. So I don't know if that's if there's anything in that, but the jury's still out for me on whether or not it works. And I and I there there is the question being asked about Carlton about are they playing their young players in the right positions that they were drafted to play in? I think we're all pumped to see Liam Stocker, and now he's being put in a back pocket, and they've put Petrovsky Seaton back up onto a wing, still continuing to play some of the uh, the older players in positions that aren't quite the position that they made their career on. So there's a lot of queries and question marks about the way they go about it. And and are they organised well enough in defence? Are they polished enough with ball in hand? Do you get the unconditional effort and pressure? I think they're 18th pressure rating in the competition at the moment. So that would be a concern. So that would say that it's not happening for four quarters. Justin Lepid spoke to Jerry Waitley about it today and and,
3: and focused in on their defence. Again, I thought they competed really well. I mean, one part of their game styling, which I think can, can be improved, is their defensive part of what they do. They're very one-on-one. Um, one th- thing that probably the difference between Carlton and most other teams is they, because they're so one-on-one, they don't have a spare behind the footy a lot. Um, so they don't have a, a player deep behind the ball. They don't really challenge the op- It's all very one-on-one. So you see Sard a lot exposed in a lot of one-on-one contests. Where realistically, you want to try and use his offensive strengths of his run and his carry. So... And you, we, we just spoke about Jake Leaver and how Melbourne utilise him on a smaller opponent and drop off deep and play almost as a spare at time, but almost half playing on a player, but really not. He's zoning a particular area. And I think that's something a goal like Liam Jones can do really well. So whether they support Weedering on the hard matchup and Jones is always flighting through, or, or a way to protect their defence with a spare number, that'll help them at least when they win the ball back, they'll have offensive numbers to go to back the other way because you're almost creating a plus one at each end so the game was very much a one-on-one game and so it's was who was going to win the one-on-one battles the whole whole game so often that can be a flip of a coin and I think Brisbane are probably better as a contested team one-on-one so in the end they eventually wore them down so there's some things they can do I still think the effort's there I still think they're trying but at times just the system can let you down at sometimes the system
1: can let you down and we're still trying to figure out exactly what that system is what the Carlton way is that David Teague Talks about, there might have been glimpses there. First quarter, you know third, they really came back out after a deplorable second quarter, Carlton, and made a fist of that game. In the end, I think Brisbane were just a better side, just a more accomplished side, just a more polished side. And then the players that they have to play in their certain positions, well, they play them every week. They know what's expected of them. And I wonder if that's a problem at Carlton. Do all those players know exactly what's expected of them when they play in the positions that they're named at in each week? The, the thing about Melbourne this year is that we've come to know that, that the, the idea of being trust, that I can trust that guy across from me, trust is a big thing, can I trust you to do your job and do you trust me to do mine? And are we selfless in the way that we go about it so that you know that this is not about you getting that possession but it might be you providing a block for me to get it? And that that was the main criticism of Melbourne for the last couple of years, wasn't it, that they didn't work hard enough for each other. when you When you... Listen to any of the great Brisbane midfielders of that era in their three-peat. They talk about the fact that even though they had the best midfield in the competition, it would never have worked if they all just played the way they wanted to play. there was, They knew that there were times when it was Vossi's day, there was ball-ups where this was all about Lappin, this was going to be all about Simon Black, this one was going to be... and And they really were generous with the way that they shared that around because they knew exactly what their role was and they understood what the greater good was. And I'm wondering whether that has sunk in yet for Carlton. And maybe they're just not where they thought they'd be. So maybe the idea that the rebuild's over, as Kane Little said, maybe he's jumped the gun on that. At one three hundred seven three six seven three six, 736 Jono, he's in Sunshine. G'day, Jono. G'day, mate. Oh, you know
4: what? I'm, I, I hear these supporters from clubs and they're so disappointed in their teams and so on and... And what they need to realise is that the game has changed from year to year. Um, We've had big changes in the game this year. Um, If you're a Melbourne supporter, you can't... Wow, look at Melbourne, they're flying. But you know what? For the last five, six, ten years, they've been very disappointing, right? Look at Richmond. Before their flags four years ago, they were very disappointing, right? They couldn't get the game done. So, you know what? I know it's because we all want success straight away and we want it now and we want it today, even though we've been struggling for a while. It doesn't happen like that. You need to get a collective of players that are won through your draft, secondly, through the way they play for each other, exactly what you said, Sam. They need to play for each other. They need to work for each other. Mm, which is and, what you know, Peter I'm, Dean I'm,
1: told us last week, Jono, wasn't it? Peter Dean said that their, that the, that the in, in Carlton's era that he won two flags in, their training games were harder than any game they played on a Saturday. That was fascinating to me. It's on scn.com.au. If you want to go and hear about the Carlton way, well, the Carlton way when they were successful was that the the, the standard they held themselves to was far greater than the standard that the rest of the competition could hold them to. And you
4: know, I, I agree with you. And you know what it is? Sometimes, because we're so passionate about our clubs, we get so disappointed when they can't meet our expectations. And the problem is with clubs. They sell the club every year to get their memberships, and they sell everything. But you know what? Sometimes you've got to be realistic and say, hey, we're not there yet. We're not going to be there yet. We need to be realistic. St Kilda played fantastic last year. Guess what? They've been found out this year through injuries and other things. You know what? Their supporters will be. They'd be bleeding too.
1: They would, Jono. We're going to hear from Seb Ross. Uh, thank you so much for the call. Always great to hear from you. Um, we're going to hear from Seb Ross who spoke today to the media and he didn't really pull any punches about the way that they were going about it and how the place is to be around at the minute. Paul Roos was who I meant to say before, not Ross Lyon. Thanks to those who have picked me up on that uh, little uh, brain fade there. Uh, it was it was, it was, was Roosie who I was thinking of is is the only successful interim coach that, has, that springs to mind. The substitute teacher, I'm not sold on it. I just, there's just too much evidence to say that in the end it doesn't quite work out. And I wonder if it is because that substitute teacher is always the fun teacher, aren't they? They don't have the responsibility that the, the everyday teacher has, but when they get that job, well, they've actually got to take it pretty seriously. I'm not saying that David Teague and Brett Ratton and substitute and interim coaches don't take it seriously, but it's a much different proposition, isn't it, when you get the main job. And maybe you can't be the good time guy that you were before you got the the main job. Maybe it's just not as easy. It certainly wouldn't be as easy. A lot more expectation. Um, You've got nothing to lose when you're in the interim job. You've got no guarantee of getting the job. So you just do it in the best way and and the most enjoyable way that you can to make the most of it while you can. And it may not always last. It, It always just reminds me of that substitute teacher getting that job full time and how they have to end up changing. And do the kids just resent them a little bit for it? He's not as, not as fun as he was last year when he didn't have the job. Hey, we'll keep working through the news of the day. The National Cabinet uh, has just made a decision to provide Australian athletes heading to Tokyo and the Paralympics, uh, Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics, with fast-tracked access to coronavirus vaccines before the Games. Uh, so that is a big announcement coming today. The Minister for Sport, Richard Colbeck, has said, uh, while vulnerable Australians remain an absolute priority as the vaccine rollout continues, National Cabinet understands the pressure... Our high-performance athletes have been facing as the Tokyo Games draws closer. Uh, So that is a story just breaking at the moment. More news of the day and your say on it on Time On after this. You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN. Uh, 1-300-736-736, of course, the number. Some great texts coming through about uh, substitute teachers or substitute coaches, interim coaches, that uh, were actually successful. I threw up Paul Ruse as the one the only one that I can recall that, that won a premiership. And Alan Joyce has been thrown up. I don't know if that's the same situation given that Alan Jeans got sick and they all knew the situation, that this would be it for a year. And, and Joyce had already, you know, I think just whilst doing it in his way, I think the status quo was was maintained. And then um, the the great human that he is, um, as soon as Alan Jeans was ready to come back, he he stepped aside and, and Alan Jeans resumed as, as Hawthorne coach. Uh, Terry Wallace's name's been brought up, but uh, geez, I miss that bloke. Um if you're listening, player, love you and miss you. Um he took over in nineteen ninety-six, halfway through. Uh they finished fifteenth that year and then a couple of prelims in a row. They were oh so close to to making a grand final. Um people throwing up uh John Longmire. No, he took over Ruzy. Finished out his uh, the full year and then Longmire took over the the very next year, so he wouldn't be in the substitute teacher uh, category. I wouldn't have thought. And off the text, hey mate, recycled coaches never work either. So why are they talking up Ross Lyon, Voss Leper, etc.? When did a sack coach ever? Uh, when did a sack coach ever come back and have success? Um, I would say Lee Matthews would be uh, the one, and his name's his name's been thrown up as a substitute who actually had success, and that's very true. Um, Lee Matthews so there's probably there's there's two there's two substitute teachers that have gone on uh, to to get a flag uh, from what I can tell he took over from Bob Rose after three rounds in 1986 Lee and they uh, obviously won the grand final in 1990 so it's um it's not a it's not a massive persuading argument is it for the uh for the substitute coach getting the the top job role and i mean no disrespect to the people that are in that role and i wish them every success but the numbers will tell us that for all the substitute teachers to have got the top job in the end it hasn't quite worked out uh, only for a you know one or two of or only for two of them that we've seen uh one 736 janine's in Narry warren hi to you janine
5: Hello, Sam. Good to
1: talk to you. It's lovely to talk to you. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Yeah, look, um, on the concussion thing, um, I'm really pleased to hear that. My husband is um, head trainer at our local football club and he has a concussed player. They do not get clearance to play uh, until they've been to a concussion specialist that my hubby has lined up um, to use. Uh, All due respect to GPs, but... um, you know, they don't – it's not their specialty, so to speak. Mm. Um, so if a player comes back and says, oh, yeah, I've got clearance from my GP, my husband's like, "Uh uh-uh. uh, no, got to go to the concussion specialist.
1: Oh, that's really good you to know. hear, Janine. So you feel like yeah. even now that – and that's what we hope. We hope that the example that's set at the top level does filter down to the lower <laughs> levels and that every – person that plays the game yeah. is protected as much from themselves as they are from anything else that can happen untoward. So you're you're finding that your husband, and is that common throughout the league that he coaches in?
5: Uh, he's actually head trainer. Um, head trainer I don't sorry. know.
1: Yeah, I don't. I'm not
5: sure. I don't know. But I think um, definitely people are taking it far more seriously as they should. Um, you know, but it's, it's amazing what they'll try and get away with these players. You know, they're desperate to play. Um, but he he doesn't fall for, doesn't fall for any of their tricks. Had one of his junior kids um, a few years ago that he was coaching at our local junior club, and um, he said, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah." His mum said, "Been to the GP, got clearance," and um, he clearly was not right. Clearly was not right. Um, and my husband, together with his head trainer at the time, wouldn't play him. They said no. No, you're
1: not right. You're not right. And um, Janine, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I think yeah, yeah. that it's it, it's it's a, it's good to know that there are good people like uh, yourself and your husband getting involved that are involved and and have got the players' best interests at heart. And that wonderful expression that he can use, you'll thank me later. Hey, thanks so much for, for exactly, right? Up. Thanks, Sam. Cheers, Sam one 736 736 So that news today that Janine's talking about is uh, that the AFL have released an updated guideline for the management of concussion at community footy level. Uh, the guidelines have been developed by leading medical professionals. Uh, obviously, the health and safety of the players is is at the heart of this. So it's a clear process to be followed for players who have suffered a concussion to return to play. They've got to have a period of rest, symptom, uh, symptom-limited activity Gradual increase in physical activity and a medical clearance prior to full contact training being resumed. So um, the minimum time frame in which a player can now return to play is the 12 days after the concussion was suffered, just like it is in the AFL. So they've got to successfully complete the phases to return to play following the concussion and receive a medical clearance. So that's uh, a story today that's going to have a, a positive impact impact at, at the local level. Uh, Aidan's in Diamond Creek. G'day, Aiden. Hey ben, how you going? yeah good thanks uh, I, that's it every you know everyone 's got their name that, that people call them you know Aiden, what do you when people muck up your name what do they what do they say because I always get Ben for oh, some reason like you you 've just done then I get that all the time for some reason I get Andrew I
4: get Aaron yep. I get New
1: words, words you can't say on radio <laughs> what have you what have, what were you calling up to discuss Aiden uh, so I'm calling up to
4: discuss uh, John Barker Carlton. Coach. Now, he's been Carlton's assistant through a couple of coaches now. How is he still in his role if Carlton are not successful? Now, I know a lot comes down to the senior coach, but it filters down to the assistants. I, I just don't understand how he still has a role at Carlton.
1: So he's in charge of their stoppages. So yeah. I suppose the, 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 the way that you can really... Because we're not in the inner four walls... I suppose the only way that we can really tell or, or, or try and rate how he's performing is where they are in terms of clearances. Um, so they're number three in the comp for clearances. Now, we know a lot of that rests on Paddy Cripps, but the numbers say that they're third for, for clearances. Um, and when you have a look at their centre clearance numbers, they're fourth for that. So he, he probably gets a tick, doesn't he? There,
4: there's a slight tick, and uh, getting a clearance is great, but it's where the ball's going.
1: The yep. ball's not going into our forwards' hands. <laughs> well, that, that and that is that is a that is a problem for Carlton at the moment, isn't it? Their ability to connect inside yep. forward 50.
4: But does that then come down to the, clear, the the midfield coach not directing play the right way or to the right area on the ground? that then reflect on Barker being at the helm for... I can't remember how many years it is now, but he's been through three coaches. Things aren't looking good for him, if you ask
1: me. Yeah, from from what I'm told from people who know him and, and know what he brings to the table, that he's incredibly highly regarded. And, and there was a, there's a reason why he was in conversations for, for higher roles is because he is very good at what he does. I haven't played under him yeah. and, and never will, clearly. But um, everything I hear from people that do know, is is nothing but positive. So, yeah, yeah there, there is an issue with what happens after they get from that stoppage, though. Aiden, you're right, and that certainly does need to be addressed. And uh, the foot skills of, of the Carlton side at the moment certainly isn't up to the standard of a side that is expecting to play finals, that's for sure. Uh, Dave's in Good G'day, Dave.
4: Yeah, g'day, Sam. Mate, I'm confused with the AFL coming out with this. So, uh, the we, concussion... Uh-huh. Uh, yet are they going to supply a professional um you know a doctor at each game to call if the blokes concussed? because it's going to break every local time How are they going to work this out that is
1: a that is a very good question dave that i don't have the answer to in front of me but we will look to find that answer for you in the next half hour if that's all right with you Thanks, no Frank. Let, let me see what I can find out about how they make the assessment on the day. At, at, a, at And, by the way, we've got a very uh, engaged uh, SEN family here, a lot of them involved in local footy. They may be able to answer that for me. So if you are involved in local footy, you understand the new uh, protocols that the AFL is introducing at your level of footy, and you know how it is going to be uh, monitored and managed at each game, then let me know one three hundred seven three six seven three six. I'll just try and find that press release and see if it does detail how they do monitor concussions and uh, determine whether a player has been concussed on the day. Uh, but it's a good question you raised, Dave, and thanks for doing so, Dean's in Reservoir. Hello, Dean. Hey,
6: Sammy. How are you,
1: mate? I'm good, thank you. Excellent.
6: Um, look, a couple of things uh, just pointed out. Firstly, um, I'm sure David Parkin was was successful at Carlton, got sacked and then came back and was successful again. Um,
1: So you're talking about the the text that we got earlier about um, recycled coaches, because that's a great example of it.
6: Yeah, so so there's one. Um, The other thing, I guess, that needs to be considered or should be considered going forward is with this 12-day mandatory, um, you know, rest period for concussed players, which is, you know... Great, and it's you know speaks highly of, of the AFL. You know, trying to look after its players. Should we not? Should there not be a 12-day break between the prelim final and the grand final going forward to give every opportunity for a player to 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 come back and at least attempt to play, um, you know, outside of that time frame. So they could do that by playing. You know extending the girl season or the women's season sorry and or starting it a bit later so that that plays in the week between the prelim and a grand final
1: yeah good good it's, it's it, great yeah. it's a good idea Dean and I actually agree with you I don't like I was a fan of the uh, pre-finals by but now we've got a body of evidence to say that it's actually disadvantaging teams that it, it is supposed to advantage um, and I and I'm and I'm not as big a fan as I was. In fact, I'd be happy to see it go. But I would be happy to see it replaced with a pre-grand final buy, so that anyone that was concussed would be eligible to play. And and I love your point about AFLW. I think now we're seeing that that they start the season in a blaze of glory, and as they should, and they get a heap of attention because it's standalone. I think starting them during the AFL finals and, and having them as curtain-raisers for some of those games is a great way to start the season, and then they get clean air once the men's season finishes. So I, I think you've got great, great ideas there, and I thank you for ringing up and sharing them. I, I, I concur wholeheartedly. Cheers. Good one. Cheers, mate. Have a good night. Thank you. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Keep the calls coming. Brendan Dougal, uh, make sure you stay right there. And I'll come back on the other side of this and take your calls and, and we'll continue to work through some of what's been said throughout the course of the day. And I'll play a little bit of Seb Ross and some people talking about St Kilda and where they're at and what they're up to and why. Seb Ross has shed some light on a couple of things today in his presser. I'll play those for you next as well.
0: Time on with Sam Hargraves on SEM. Just We've gone away a little bit from the way we sort of, uh, were playing last year, particularly with the footy, just that dare. We've just been just been a little bit boring um, on that side of things and then um, a few things defensively that we're sort of sort of lacking, a little bit of cohesion and, and having a few little breakdowns. But um, with this group, we've, this group's changed a lot in the last two or three years and we've probably only played, last year was the shortest season, but we've only played about 25 or 30 games um, together, so that sort of stuff takes time, but like I said, we've got to we've got to do it really quickly. The vibe internally at the club is actually it's not too bad. We're obviously um, really frustrated with the way with the way we're going and the way we're performing on field, as I imagine a lot of our fans and, and supporters are. Uh, but in no certain terms is this place a, a crappy place to to be at the moment, like it has been at uh, some stages um, throughout my career. So. Yeah, I think, obviously, another underwhelming performance on the weekend. And, um, yeah, we're working really hard. And attack Hawthorne this week. They're coming off a pretty good win on the weekend. So um, looking forward to running out again and and sort of trying to turn the tide.
1: That's St Kilda midfielder Seb Ross today. So admitting that they're playing pretty boring footy at the moment. But I was really interested in what he had to say, that in no way, shape or form is it a pretty crappy place to be, as it has been in the past. That's a really interesting thing, isn't it? That the admission that in over his career, that hasn't been a good place to be at St Kilda, but it is now. And if there's little positives that you can take out of where your team might be at when you didn't expect them to be there, that's a good one. The the admission that in the past it hasn't been great, but it is now, But there are other things that they're not doing well enough uh, that they need to address. And one of those is the way in which they're playing. And he's 100% Right. They have been playing boring footy, and the questions of fitness have been raised in shorter quarters last year. They were able to blow teams apart. Now, maybe the the, the extended game time from last year to this year, and now we're experiencing even longer than in previous years, it just doesn't suit the St Kilda setup. So it's um, they're going to have to make a big adjustment. And can they? I mean, can you get fitter if that is indeed the issue? Uh, six rounds into a season. Uh, we're speaking about the AFL announcing today the new protocols for uh, local footy uh, in terms of concussions. And the question was asked uh, from a caller who rang in earlier about can how does that get adjudicated on the day? Uh, local footy players are now going to have to wait the 12 days if they suffer a concussion playing before they can come back. Um, how does that get uh, adjudicated and monitored on the day? Well, uh, Brendan in Camberwell has been good enough to call in who's involved uh, in local footy. G'day, Brendan. Good day. How you going there? I'm good, thanks. What can you tell us?
7: Um, just with what I know with the the Yarra uh, uh, Junior Footy League, there's always um, and it's it's mandatory for St 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 John's uh, representative that uh, rolls up for the game
1: every uh, junior right. game. So there's an ambulance yeah. or or, uh, a, or at least a St John's ambulance representative at every local game.
7: It, yep, there's a representative there. For um, fr- uh, from them. Each club has to have a first aider so, um, so they've got to be registered. And then when kids get a knock on the head if they end up with ice on their head, they're out of the game straight away.
1: Well that's, uh, that, that's, and, that's good. So the, the moment that a player gets a knock on the head um, and they can tell that that's what's happened but the player then takes yep. no further part in the game.
7: Yeah, they're out of the game straight away. And St John's are there straight away to assess them anyway. But as soon as the ice is um, put on the head, they're out of the game. And both clubs have to have a um, two guys that are, or two people, I should say, that they, um, have uh, uh, first aiders.
1: Brendan, I thank you. So, so, I really appreciate you giving us a call and, and good on you for your continued involvement in local footy. Um, we don't spend enough time thanking our volunteers uh, at any real level, but especially at, at a local footy level. Uh, Doug uh, Dougal is in East Melbourne. Dougal, you're involved at the junior footy level.
8: Yes, I am indeed. Um, similar to the last call you had, our club's got 38 junior teams and we've just introduced a concussion protocol, which uh, along similar lines to the one that your last caller had, but um, there are certain concussion recognition tools that the AFL and also the South Metro Junior Footy League's put out Whereby, if there are certain red flags that a player represents with, such as loss of consciousness or disorientation and those sorts of things, they're automatically deemed to have suffered a concussion, which means automatically the 12 days kicks in. But if it's a bit of a grey area, then they've got to go off to a doctor to get assessed. And if the doctor says they're concussed, they've got to sit out for 12 days. If the doctor says they're not concussed and they're okay to go back, then they can continue to um, continue to play. So um, we we have volunteer trainers who have to assess um, all of our players and that's the, the protocol that they have to adopt.
1: Dougal, uh, thanks so much for shedding some light on it from a, a local level. Really appreciate it and good on you for your involvement. Who's your club? Uh, East Melbourne Knights. How are they going? Maybe we don't going have time well. to get all 38 teams' results, no, no, but, no, just no, no, but just an overall sense...
8: Oh, just great to great to have the kids playing football again. They're all loving
1: it. Yeah, beautiful. Well done. Uh, thank you very much, Dougal. Uh, in East Melbourne, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. There's a, a long text here uh, that's come through from someone um, uh, saying that they are a neuroscientist and and they believe that the AFL these twelve days that the AFL's enforcing isn't actually long enough. Uh, if, in terms of what they believe is consistent with evidence uh, saying that it should be a longer break. It's a positive step, but not a sufficient step in order to protect the safety of players. Uh, have you ever heard this raise? Well, we have now, and I thank you for doing so. Um, I wouldn't mind if at junior level it was twice that long. Um, what we understand about the brain, you know, the bone density development and, and young, you know, young bodies not fully developed. So to have that break the same as what uh, an adult, um, whether it be in the men's comp or the women's comp, has to endure. I would suggest that even it being longer um, might even be to to the benefit of everyone long-term. But we can only go off the evidence that it's in front of us um, and we're learning more and more as we go along. But, yeah, it would – and and parents might be able to give us a gauge on this as well, whether they would appreciate that break in play because you know that the kids will play no matter what, whether that break should actually be longer. Than that, uh, but 12 days it stands uh, at the minute. one 736 736. We'll continue to work through a bit of audio from Jared today and uh, Justin Lepich as well. Uh, and the text that was saying to me uh, before about recycled coaches not being successful, well, uh, we gave a couple of examples. Lee Matthews, uh, David Parkin came through. My contention would be that we don't recycle coaches enough. Um, we're always looking for the next shiny new thing, and maybe that's why we see a lot of. Um, Interim coaches get appointed. They get the you know the players obviously get on side with them, and the players get a say. Um, and then you wonder if that's actually can be to the detriment once the hard calls have got to be made on the other side uh, when they actually get the job fully fledged. I don't think we recycle enough coaches, and we're seeing the impact that some former head coaches are having. And now back as an assistant coach uh, at Sydney um, at at Melbourne. Um, even Justin Leppich himself. So, Michael Voss, so we're seeing what we can do when we give other people a chance. It's not uncommon for a coach in the NFL or the Premier League to coach a handful of different sides, but it's, it's not the norm here, is it? one uh, And I wonder what we lose in that regard. And there's a few texts that have come through saying first-year coaches aren't your best coach for a rebuild. You need someone who's experienced I suppose the, the counter-argument to that would be Hawthorne. Alistair Clarkson got there at the start of a rebuild. It was his first job as a senior coach. It turned out pretty well. But there could be some evidence that you've got to the contrary of that as well. Maybe that's the outlier. one Time on, SEN. You're listening to Time On with Sam Hargraves on SEN.
0: Uh, if he's thinking guys are playing like um, selfish sort of footy and, and that sort of stuff, I don't think that's the case at all. We are... We're not playing the way we want to play right now and um, I think when that's the case it feels like um, everything that can go wrong does go wrong and um, we've all played at times when the team's really cohesive and and working well together and it feels like nothing can go wrong. Um, So I think we'll get a few personnel back over the last few weeks um, and the next few weeks I should say so Paddy will put his hand up to play this week which will be nice to get him back in Um, but yeah like I said we're not we haven't got that quite got that cohesion right yet and we're not where, where we want to be but um, we've got to find a way. There's a lot of teams in the comp that haven't got their the best 22 out in the park but are finding a way at the moment so um, we've got to work really hard out here to, to turn that around.
1: St Kilda's Seb Ross responding to David King's comments that St Kilda aren't playing for the team at the moment. Um, off the text we've got a very smart audience. Oh, I say this a lot that no one knows uh, your team like you and uh, the it's almost almanac like knowledge that uh, a lot of you possess is brilliant. So people talking about recycled coaches, well, this has came through, I think, from the same person that, that mentioned it the first time. Um, Blighty, of course, uh, Geelong to Adelaide and, and One Flag. So who are the recycled coaches that have been successful? Uh, Alan Jeans, of course, Saints Hawks, Malthouse, West Coast Pies, Lee Matthews, Pies, Lions. So... Uh, the, it, it seemed to happen a lot more in, in other years. Dan Minogue, who is a guy way, from way back in the 20s, coached at four different VFL clubs, I think, and uh, had success at a couple of them off the top of the head. But we don't really see it much anymore. Brett Ratton was, um, you know, the exception to that rule of recent times now that he's at St Kilda. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Mark in Sunshine West wants to talk concussion at local footy. G'day, Mark. Hey, Sam, how are you? I'm good, thank you.
4: I've been at Bannyburn now for, well, six years, if you can't, last year. And our head trainer, if someone's got any sort of concussion, Betsy rules him out of the game straight away.
1: And how long and does he rule him out for after that?
4: Someone, um, he doesn't. The senior coach who's played, who played a lot of football at their highest level um, makes a call that they, they don't play the next week. If they have some severe concussion, they don't play. Aye. And I think in the whole time I've been there, and I've been involved with the seniors the whole time, I think
1: two, maybe three blakes have play the next week, if they're lucky. Well, they won't do that now, Mark. Under the new rules, it'll be the 12 days that they've, they've got to adhere to. But uh, And that's through all levels of community footy. But thanks so much for ring. I really appreciate it. Brad's in Point Cook. G'day, Brad. G'day, Sam. How are you, mate? I'm good, thank you.
2: Mate, Collingwood supporter, member. Mate, just quickly, recycled coaches. We know Buckley won't be in the next year. It's obviously a given, everyone's saying it. There's two guys that they should go after. Ross Lyon. You now, he's been successful. Because he's taken two different clubs to a grand final. To be that success, they've got him to the highest point. Um, otherwise, why don't they have a crack at something like a Michael Voss and say, Mark Williams, come and give us a hand for three years with
1: it? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I wonder, in, in this era of footy, I'd be fascinated to know how Ross Lyon would approach it. I mean, he was a strict adherent to a low scoring grinding style of football love the congestion love to hold it up love to slow it down uh, and they got to the two grand finals i'm just wondering whether on a day a grand final day you've got to outscore your opponent you can't out defend them uh, i've always believed that that to win grand finals you have to actually go and win them not save them uh, and I wonder if that costs the Saints and the, and the Dockers on those days. And he is a, a, a fantastic coach. Obviously, you don't get the two grand finals if you're not. I wonder how he'd go in the way that footy's been played at the moment. It's a fascination. Uh, it's just something that I've thought about when I see him in the media at the moment, doing a ripping job. But uh, I just wonder how Ross would go under the way that footy's being played at the minute. It would be fascinating to find out. Cons in Lilydale. Good day, Con. Uh,
2: good evening, Sam. Thank you for the show. Um, Thanks for listening. After six rounds with the new stand rule, um, I, I'm not sold on it. Um, I'm happy for players to to stand there and not move, but I think they could be allowed to at least jump. Um, but also, uh, I noticed uh, on the weekend there was a game where a player stood the mark and his teammate ran behind him and got there was a fifty meter penalty given. Uh, did you know see that?
1: Uh, which game was that? I saw someone oh, get done for I... being too close to the protected area. But uh, the, yeah. the, the players are, from what my understanding, the players are allowed to jump up and down on the spot once they've been told to stand. They can jump up and down. Oh, they can. They right. just can't go. They it. just can't step right. left or right. It, they, they can't do the time warp. They can't do the hokey pokey. None of that. Right. You can't shake it all there about. You you can jump. I think you can jump up and down, though. Uh, I'll double-check that, though, Con, but thank you. Um, I might do... We might have a chat a little later, and I, every now and then I'll bring out a segment, here's why you're wrong, and I might be in the firing line this week, because after six rounds, I think I was definitely wrong in the impact that the standing on the mark rule was going to have. I'm, not, I'm still not convinced that reduced rotations is the best way to go about things, but I certainly do love the way that the footy's being played this year with the stand rule and also the man on the mark from the kick-in being uh, 15 metres back. Uh, Tony, to finish yourself in East Bentley, quickly, Tony.
4: Uh, G'day, Sam. I'm just gobsmacked with what Seb Ross said at his press conference. I'm a
7: long-time suffering Saints supporter. Yep. Just gobsmacked. Where's the
1: honesty to the fans?
2: Oh, oh I thought it's a that, better I was place here. than
8: when we
1: were under Alan Richardson. What a load of well, he, didn't, he didn't name Alan Richardson, to be fair, Tony. He just said in previous years of his career where it hadn't been a fun place. Um, mate, I'd love to stay with you more because you, you often call. I've got four seconds before I've got to hit the ad break. So we'll get back to you after 7.30, but the NBL show on next.